So as Doug said, this is part two of uh, Hope Restored. So let me just uh, kind of uh, give you a little fill-in as to uh, where we were last week, a uh, couple of uh, brief statements. Uh, hope, obviously, is something that we can't live without. Uh, there's a lot of things that we can live without in this world, but uh, obviously hope is, is not one of them. Uh, we said last week that when hope is lost, it makes the heart sick. But when hope is restored, it becomes a source of life. And that's a no-brainer. So we, we want to cultivate hope. We want to find out how to, how to increase and abound uh, in, in hope. We also said that hope for the future is power to live in the present. In other words, hope isn't just something that is for someday out there. It enables us, it empowers us to live in the present in spite of some of the very negative uh, and uh, difficult circumstances that we may have to face. And also said last week that too often we want God to change our circumstances while God is wanting to change us through those circumstances. And that's an important lesson for us to learn, to, to submit to the sovereignty of God, to trust in God, even though we may not uh, have a, a full understanding of what God is doing. And then I said this too, biblical hope is not wishful thinking, but a confident expectation in the future based upon the promises of the one for whom it's impossible to lie. So that is kind of an overview of where we were last week. Let's just have a quick word of prayer. Father, we pray that the Spirit of God would give to us wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of of you, God, and, and that we would come to know what is the hope of your calling this morning. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So there was a guy, and uh, his name was Guy. Okay, so the guy's name was Guy, right? So, so, so Guy uh, bought himself, he purchased a parrot, a talking parrot on Craigslist. Got a really great deal the, the, the bird talked incessantly. The only problem is, this is something he always wanted. The only problem is, is, that, is that the bird used foul and offensive language, okay? It, it used crude and coarse speech. And so Guy tried to retrain the bird, tell the bird, you know, wholesome words, wholesome phrases, and everything that he tried failed and to the point where he got absolutely frustrated. And he, and he said to the parrot, if you don't stop talking, cursing, I'm going to stick you in the freezer. And with that, the, the bird blurted out uh, a bunch of superlatives. Is that, is that right? Exp explicitives or whatever. So I'm fracturing that word anyway. Yeah, anyway, so, so the bird started cursing. So, so with that, he stuck the bird in the freezer and waited. And about five minutes passed, and he heard coming from the freezer, okay, okay, I give up. I won't curse anymore. So he takes the frantic bird out of the freezer, and the bird says, I just have one question. What in the world did the chicken do? That's like one of those slow fizz. <laughs> what did the chicken do? There was a chicken frozen in the freezer. All right, so you get it. Okay, some of you are a little slow this morning on the intake, but here we go. What I want you to know is this, that while our Heavenly Father is absolutely committed to seeing change in our life and using the circumstances of life to change us, He never gets frustrated. 
All that he does is done with a divine design. All that, is, that he does for us is done out of love so that we might be conformed to the image of his son. So when we find ourselves in difficult and in harsh circumstances, if we find ourselves either in the freezer or in the fire, we need to know this, that, that we are not to panic and we're not to be afraid because God truly cares for us, okay? So here's a, here's a statement I want to share with you this morning. If you're taking notes, this is, this is a couple that are, are good to, uh, to note. Uh, hope is essential when it comes to waiting. Hope is absolutely essential when it comes to waiting. And many times we must wait for the promises of God. The Bible says that with both faith and patience, we possess the promises of God. Here's another statement. Patience born of hope is indispensable. Patience that is born of hope becomes indispensable in the life of a believer. I've been taking... uh, vitamins for the first time in my life, just about. Uh, my wife said, honey, you need to take some vitamins. You, you know, I was kind of feeling a little run down and tired. And so, so I went out to the drugstore and I, and I found Centrum Silver for men, 50 plus. So I, 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 you know, I fall into that category. I'm 50 plus, never mind. How, it's none of your business. All right. But, but, but I, I've been taking this thing now for a week. And I said to my wife yesterday, I said, I said, honey, I've been taking these vitamins for a week and I don't feel any difference. And she said to me, duh, you know, thank you, honey. She, no, she, she said to me, it's, it's going to take you a couple of months to, 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 to feel the benefits, to, to build up the benefits of, of taking these vitamins, of all the stuff that you've been missing over, over the years. And you know what? It's just like us. We, we, we want what we want, and we want it now. You know, we, we, we are so impatient. But learning how to wait on the Lord is probably one of the most uh, difficult and yet one of the most important things that we can do. That's why David said in the Psalms, he said in, in Psalm 27, he said, Wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and he, God, will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. How many of you like Waiting. For the promise of God to be fulfilled. Listen, something good is about to happen when we learn how to wait upon the Lord. You know, there's a promise in Isaiah 40. It says, that, but they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And, and again, th- there is strength connected with waiting and hoping and, and trusting in God that, that God will supply all of our need. In fact, that's one of his precious promises that we need to hold God to and believe God for that, that even in the supply of patience, that God will supply us with patience as we wait upon him for the promise. Here's another statement. If you want to take notes, write this down, tweet this later this afternoon. Waiting is not just the thing that we do until we get what we hope for. This is so good. Listen, waiting is the process of becoming all that God hopes for us. There's a divine design. There's a process that is taking place for all that God has designed for us to become. And and we're in process as we wait upon the Lord. There are things that we can learn that can only be learned through the process of waiting. Learning how to trust in him more deeply. Learning how to rest in God during those times of waiting. Let me tell you something about rest. Rest is so important. Uh, we all know that, right, physical rest, right? 
Did, did you know that they say that most Americans are sleep deprived? That we don't get enough sleep? That we, we need at least seven or eight hours of sleep? And I think the average is like five and a half hours of sleep. My wife and I were, were so committed to getting rest that a number of years ago, probably about 10 years ago, we, uh, we, we purchased a Tempur-Pedic, you know, memory foam mattress, one, the 10-inch one, you know? And it was like really, really expensive. It was like three times the amount of a, of a regular mattress. And we, and we figured that it was worth the investment because rest is so important. Now, if that's true about physical rest, how much more true should we be investing in discovering the spiritual rest that God has in store for those who love him and are called according to his purpose? One of the things that I want you to know is that we can enter into this rest even in the midst of adverse circumstances. And, and, and that's re- really when we need to, to rest the most, when we find ourselves in the midst of the freezer or in the midst of a crucible, that, that we need to learn how to rest in God, that, that it's going to be okay, that, that God's going to see us through, because never, never will he ever leave us nor forsake us. King David, King David was anointed as king in his youth. He was still a young man, probably still in his teenage years, when, when Samuel poured a, anointing oil upon him and said, you're going to be the next king of Israel. But did you know that before David left the sheepfold and and sat upon the throne, 20 years went by. 20 years of, of difficulty and trial and adversity and hardship David experienced. And in that process, God was preparing David to sit upon the throne. I always say it like this. Had David immediately in his teenage years ascended to the throne, there wouldn't have been a crown in the, in the country big enough to fit upon his inflated head. I tell you what, if you want to ruin somebody, if you want to see somebody fall, promote them before their time. Promote them before they come to an age of maturity. The Bible speaks about that, okay? So what I want you to know is this, that there is a process. And in the midst of this ever-changing world, and in the midst of this very volatile world, Hope is so powerful. The Bible calls it the anchor upon the soul. In other words, it gives us, it gives the believer stability in the midst of a very changing, volatile, influx kind of a world that we live in. And amidst all of the the promises, last week we spoke about some of the promises that God has given to us that covers every contingency in life. And so God has given these exceeding great and precious promises so that we're going to have hope and we're going to see that principle worked out this morning. But before we look at the, the, the life of Joseph this morning, I want to talk to you about Joseph, one of the most familiar uh, Old Testament beloved characters in the Bible. I, I want to relate to you the principle through which we're going to look at Joseph. You see, th- there is a grid that is important for us to be able to, to see. But, but first, let me, let me do this. I have a knife. I have a knife. That's a knife. I have a, an apple. Now I need a volunteer to come and stand against... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, what, what, what I wanted to do is I want to simply take the apple and just kind of cut it right down the middle. And I mean, anybody can, can right now see that on this half of the apple, and the, the other half of the apple as well, there are a number of seeds. You, you've done this. Listen, when, when you eat an apple, you, you don't want to basically cut it like this. You, you eat around the core because that's where the seeds are. 
and you don't want to eat the seeds, right? But, but, but listen to me. Anybody can count the number of seeds in an apple. A child can do that, right? And I'm sure you've heard this illustration before, but only God can count the number of apples in a seed. The potential of one, one apple seed has the ability to produce, the potential is to produce an apple tree. And how many apples over the course of the life of, a, of an apple tree, how many apples can be produced? I mean, literally hundreds. And, and from the, those hundreds of apples, how many seeds and therefore an orchard can grow? The potential. Think about that. I was telling my wife yesterday, I asked her a question and she's, she's, she's a mathematician. And I asked her, I said, how many combinations do you think, if you had 10 books on a, on a bookshelf, how, how many combinations do you think you could make in arranging those 10 books on a bookshelf? And she knew the answer immediately. She said, over 3 million. That is amazing. It's true. You know, I was trying to test her, right? And she knew that. Listen, there is something mystical, magical about numbers like that and the, and the exponential possibilities of what one seed can produce. Now, let me say this. If God did that for a seed, what might be the potential of a life that is trusting God, submitted to God, the life of of one of his kids, the potential that's in the life of one of his kids? And we're going to look at the potential that was in this young man by the name of Joseph. The message of Joseph is a message of triumph over adversity. It's a message of patience under trial. I I love the story of Joseph's life. Joseph was a type of the Lord Jesus. Maybe that's one of the reasons why I love the story of Joseph the most. But he was the the favored son of Jacob. Uh, He was uh, sold uh, as a slave, betrayed by his brothers. He was uh, unjustly accused falsely uh, or falsely accused unjustly in prison. He suffered on the behalf of of others, and, and as a result of that, he's so much a type of Christ. But God used him, gave him wisdom and discernment to be able to interpret Pharaoh's dream. And you know, probably the story that he saved the, the, not only his family, but he became a savior of the entire world because of an epic famine that was taking place in the earth. When Joseph was about 17 years of age, God gave Joseph a dream. And in that dream, God gave him a word of promise, and that word of promise is that he would one day rule over his brothers, that his brothers and his mother and father would come and bow before him, and that he would be exalted to this position of leadership. Joseph shared that story, and his brothers hated him because of that. They were jealous of him in the first place. But Joseph's life is so encouraging on so many levels. But, but one thing, especially if you're here this morning and you've been waiting on God for a long time, you've been hoping and waiting and waiting for one of God's promises to be fulfilled, your life, like Joseph's life, though it may have experienced difficulty and hardship, let me, let me tell you, your life can change like that. In a moment's time, God can bring about all of the good that he plans for you in a single afternoon. Joseph went from being a slave to being free in a day. He went from being a prisoner to being the prime minister of a world empire. He went from being in prison to being in the palace in one single day. And if there is anything, listen, that can give hope, it is the knowledge that what God did for Joseph, God could do also for you in some measure 
according to his plan and, and purpose for your life. What we need to do is to trust in him. Remember I said a little while ago that waiting is not just the thing that we do until we get what we hope for, but waiting is the process of becoming all that God has hoped for us. All those difficult years, all of the struggle, the, 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 the betrayal, the, the hurt, the, all of this pain that was, was working in, in, in uh, Joseph's life was working to forge character and to develop in this young man, the man who would be able to sit upon the throne of a world empire without being ruined, success would not destroy Joseph. In fact, I think one of the keys to Joseph's life is, is understanding this, that in spite of everything that he went through, while in prison, the Bible says that God was with Joseph. When he was in part of his house, God was with Joseph. And, and even uh, Stephen in the book of Acts relates this, this simple phrase that keeps repeating itself over and over, that Joseph is experiencing difficulty and hardship, but God was with Joseph. And I want you to know that, that the commitment that God has toward his children is that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Let me just say this. If you're here today visiting for the first time, if you're back again for a second time, and you're not quite sure where you fit in this relationship to God and Jesus and, and faith and hope and all this, let me tell you, we're happy that you're here, and we're here to serve you. And if we can answer any of your questions, we, we would love to do that, pray with you, encourage you to, to know this, that, that the gospel produces faith, but it not only produces faith, it also produces hope. When you hear the word of God, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And hope and faith are partners together. They they're hold hands together. And I, I just want you to know this, that it's not that we want something from you, but we want something for you. And that is to come to know the unconditional love of God and the peace and the joy that comes from believing in his name. Hope, the Bible says, does not disappoint because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. And character is being forged in us when we're in the freezer or when we're in the crucible of experiences. So we're going to look at Psalm 105 this morning for a few minutes. It's kind of like a snapshot of Joseph's life. Rather than go to Genesis, we're going to look at Psalm 105 this morning. And like I said, it's kind of like a snapshot of Joseph's life. And, and it's just kind of give us uh, the, the update. And what's interesting about it is that Psalm 105 was written hundreds of years after Joseph's experience. So the writer of the Psalms is saying there is something for us to gain, something for us to know, something for us to learn through Joseph's life. And so he says this in Psalm 105, verse 16. He, God, called down famine on the land and destroyed all of their supplies of food. Now, what you need to know is that before the famine came, God sent a warning. And the warning was by the way of a dream that seven horrible years were going to come, years of famine that would devour the seven good years that were also going to be experienced, okay? And so God, whenever God sends judgment upon the land, God always gives a warning first that we would flee from the, from the wrath which is to come. And so it says in verse 17, he sent a man before them, Joseph, sold as a slave. He, God, sent Joseph as a slave. Wait a minute, time out, pastor, wait a minute. Wait, didn't you say that he was betrayed by his brothers? 
Oh yeah, he was betrayed by his brothers. And the evil intentions that they met were overruled by God's purpose. God was setting up his man to become the plan. He was, he was setting up Joseph to be in the right place at the right time. And I tell you this, I, I know this, that we have come to the kingdom of God for such a time as this. God has appointed the, the, the year of our birth, the, 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 the generation in which we would be grown up, because God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. It says in verse 18, they bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put in irons. And there is a play on words in this verse in the, in the Hebrew scriptures. And, and it literally what it's saying is that the iron literally entered into Joseph's soul. That is that Joseph experienced more than being put in chains. The chains went into his soul. In other words, Joseph not only suffered physically, but Joseph suffered emotionally. I mean, I could, I could imagine Joseph, and when he was being carried away by the Midianites, his brothers there, he, he must have cried out saying, guys, don't do this to me. Please help me. You guys, you guys, I'm your brother. You can't do this to me. And the cries that must have gone out, they, they had to have stopped their ears from hearing his cries for help. And it says this, it says, till what he foretold came to pass, till the word of the Lord tested Joseph. I was reading a tweet this morning from C.S. Lewis, and it said this. It says, try to exclude the possibility of suffering, and you'll find that you have excluded life itself. Try to exclude the possibility of suffering, and you'll find that you've excluded life itself. In other words, it's going to happen. But how we handle suffering in this life makes all the difference. Joseph was tested. He was proved. He was tried by the word of promise that God had put in his soul so many years before, and he never lost hope. The king, the Bible says, Pharaoh sent and released him. The ruler of the people set him free. Maybe you know the story. Joseph was an interpreter of dreams, and while in prison, he interpreted the dream of both the the butler and the baker. The baker lost his head, but the butler was released And Joseph said to the butler, the last thing he said was, please remember me to the Pharaoh. And it just absolutely slipped his mind until Pharaoh had a dream. And that dream was something that his magicians could not interpret. And and Pharaoh knew that this was a dream that came from God. And so all of a sudden, the butler remembered and said, there's a Hebrew in prison who is an interpreter of dreams, and they summoned for Joseph. And Joseph, with the wisdom of God and the Spirit of God, had the plan that would not only save his, ultimately save his family, but be a savior of the world from an epic, epic famine. And then it says this in verse 21, he, that is, now God made him master of his household, ruler over all his possessions, to instruct his princes as he pleased and to teach his elders wisdom. And if you know the story, Joseph was exalted. Only in the throne was Pharaoh greater than Joseph, had given him authority to command and to instruct and to teach. What an exalted position. And and that is a type of the Lord Jesus because of all that he suffered and all that he endured for us as us. He's exalted and given the name that is above every other name. You know, 
There once was a, 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 a guy who was, who was called the tightwad. Now, do you know what a tightwad is? Somebody tell, what, what's a tightwad? A cheapskate. But do you know, you know where, where, where the, the origin of that word comes from? It's a, somebody who has a wad of cash, and it's so tight that nothing gets out. It's a tightwad. Somebody who's really a miser, somebody who's really cheap, right? And this guy... He hated spending money, but he loved saving money. And every time, every chance he got, he would stuff money in his mattress, stuff money in his mattress. And years went by. He neglected his wife and kids, but he would stuff money in his mattress. Now he's old and he's dying. And he, and he summons his wife and he says, he says I, I want you to promise me one thing, that when I die, that you'll take the money I've, I've stuffed in that mattress and, and you, I, I just want to take it all with me. And she says, I promise. And he died. She went, took all the money out of the mattress, went to the bank and deposited it in the bank and wrote a check out for the full amount, put it in the coffin. I want you to know this, that God is not like that wise wife. Everything that he promises us will come to pass. And he doesn't do it with loopholes or in some shrewd way as to somehow cheat us. But God is faithful. I don't know. Do, do you know the faithfulness of God? I mean, you, you, you know it intellectually. You, you can read it. The Bible says that Jesus is called faithful and true. But do you know it experientially? When you know it experientially, you know it because you have a history in God. Because God takes you through various trials and adversities and various circumstances. And you come through the other side with the knowledge that God is faithful. You know that you know that you know experientially. Let me tell you, blessed is the man, blessed is the woman who, who has a history of God's intervention in their life. I, I just, I would, I would ask one, one question of Joseph. I would say, Joseph, was it worth it all? Was, was it worth the suffering? Was it worth the pain? Was it worth the imprisonment? And, and I tell you what, we don't really have to guess at, the, at Joseph's answer because Joseph tells us at the end of his life, and we'll look at that, that verse in just a minute. But if we ask Jesus the same thing, if we said, Jesus, was, was it worth the great sweat drops of blood? Was it worth, was it worth the, the, the stripes that were plowed into your back? Was it worth the, the cross? Was it worth it? I believe he would point to us and he would say, for the joy that was set before me, I endured the cross. It was worth it all. Your life can change in one afternoon for all the good that God has promised you. Do not lose hope. Hope and patience born of hope is indispensable. Yeah, Joseph's brother's despised him, they hated him, they, they, they envied him. And you know what? Pilate understood that it was for the same reason of envy that the Jewish leaders wanted to see Jesus crucified. The remarkable thing about the story of Joseph's life is how he responded to his circumstances. Instead of becoming bitter and angry, instead of becoming resentful, playing the victim card, instead of doing all of that, Joseph submitted himself to God's plan. He had an understanding that God is with me. And if God is, if God is with me and God is for me, you know, who can be against me? I mean, 
Several thousand years later, the Apostle Paul would write that great statement in Romans 8, 28, and we know that God works all things together for the good to those that love God and are called according to. Well, Joseph work, works that out. He, he lives that out in the reality of his own experience. Jesus likewise submitted himself to God. He drank the cup of the wrath that we deserved to drink, became our substitution. Instead of becoming angry and bitter and resentful, Jesus modeled what forgiveness is all about and said, Father, forgive them. I'm going to tell you something. By committing himself to God, both Jesus and Joseph allowed God to bring their, their future destiny to a reality by submitting themselves to God. So I want you to to take away this morning this simple truth that God takes care of what we entrust to him. Therefore, we don't have to panic and we don't have to be afraid. When we commit, when we cast all of our cares upon the Lord, God takes care of what we entrust to him. And therefore, we don't have to panic and don't have to be afraid. At the end of Joseph's life, when Jacob had died and the, his brothers were afraid that now Joseph is going to exact re- revenge on us because our father has passed away, Joseph says, says, don't break my heart. He said this, he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Understand that where you are right now, if you belong to God, God has orchestrated your footsteps. The hairs of your head he has numbered. He watches over you as the apple of his eye. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. And if things are going on in your life right now that don't seem to be working out the way you want them to work out, keep trusting in God. Keep resting in God because God will bring about good in his time. And that's what we need to learn. So let me just say this. Because he works all things together for those that love him and are called according to his purpose, let me just share that invitation with some of you this morning. Maybe maybe you've never responded to the invitation to receive Christ. Jesus said, anyone who will come unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Anyone. It's to whosoever will, let him come. Let him come and receive me. And I just want to give you that invitation that, that when we get connected to him, Jesus said, learn of me for I am meek and humble of heart. And you'll find rest for your souls when we get connected to him. We do that by a simple transaction. It's called, it's called faith. It's called believing. It's called receiving Christ. If you'd like to do that, I'd like to pray with you now, and just invite you to receive Jesus Christ in your heart and say something like this, Jesus, come into my heart and into my life. I receive you as the Savior of my soul, the forgiveness of my sins. I pray even now that, that Jesus, in, in receiving you, that you would put hope and faith in my heart. Give me that gift of faith. Give me that gift of hope. In Jesus' name. So, Father, I thank you this morning. For others, I just want to pray this morning for for those here this morning that need a touch of God, that need 
God's intervention in their life. Father, would you come now and stir up hope in their souls? Because when hope is restored, it becomes the source of life. So, so would you release now in this place as we're getting ready to close in a, in a song of, of adoration to you and a song that the words are so significant for such a time as this, that you would infuse us with that hope by the power of the Spirit. The Apostle Paul called God the God of hope and said, may the God of hope fill you with all peace and joy in believing by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would infuse every one of us right now with new measures of hope in Jesus' precious name. Let's stand together and sing one more time.